probably just to just do the thing just to do the thing because like if you just do the thing what's it's very cliche but like what's the worst thing that could happen from doing this because i struggle sometimes you know a lot of imposter syndrome a lot of like there's someone um really important to me that says oh it says it's not it's not failure it's feedback so she sells oysters yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she sells what <laughs> she sells oysters at the street what <laughs> this is bantu the african creative podcast hello welcome to bantu the african creative podcast i'm aditunji this is our second episode and this time around i speak with a kenyan illustrator and calligrapher her work is very unique has a very distinct art style and i was really curious to try to get into what inspired all that what were her experiences and where did she come from who she is as an artist we also talk about the realities of gaining international collaboration opportunities as an artist from africa in the diaspora or in africa at home enjoy the show I have with me in the studio Inzelani Simu, also known as Kalula. She is a Kenyan visual artist and a teacher at the Africa Digital Media Institute. Um, we're here to get into her story. Nzalani has such a unique art style, a unique visual style, and the fact that she's been able to create a unique calligraphic style infusing African elements and bits of our culture into it with the colors and the type, I think is really, really amazing. And um, I'd be very, very happy to introduce Nzalani Simo. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Nzalani. Um, The first thing that would really, really love to get into is your background and so i'd like for you to tell us where did you grow up and how did this art thing all start i'll start okay so i grew up in nairobi kenya and i went to school here my whole life like uh primary school you know all the way till high school and mm-hmm. then uh so while i was in school i used to do i used to draw but i didn't do art in school I wanted, I wanted to, but I, I was, I think I got, I got a, a, a B somewhere like in oh, one wow. of the younger, <laughs> in the younger class. And then someone, so the options we had were either art or home economics. And then I asked my brother who was, you know, the wise guy. And I asked him, which one do you think is the better one? And he said, I think you'd rather know how, how to cook because you can always draw anytime. <laughs> So I did the home economics and I didn't do the art because I was like, oh, I'm not even that good at it. Let me just, you know, I'll just do it. But as time went on, I would always try. I still tried again to try do the art again while still in high school. But somehow other classes came up. So it was always looking for me, but I was always, I was always looking for it, but I never did it. And then uh, I went to university. I did my undergrad in Canada at uh, Western Ontario and I did sociology. and. Uh, when I did the sociology, I failed one course and to replace that course, I had to take something to top up at the end so that I could get my degree as I wanted it at the, at the last, the last year. And the course I took was an art course. 
So really? um, yeah, so I took a, a, a foundation year summer course. So it was like one year of art and it was amazing. I mean, the difference between, even though I love the sociology, the difference between the way I was doing the sociology and doing the art was like, I would leave the studio at like 11 PM, you know, the different, I wanted to really be there. Um, so, and it was summer. So my friends were out, but I would want to be in the studio. And, um, so I did art, that art foundation course. I came back to Kenya. I was looking for a sociology job type connected job. And then while I was doing that, I just said, let me do computer courses so I can learn applications to, to do art with. So I did a certificate at a local college here called Graphics. And um, with that, I got enough skills to do computer graphics. So then I got a job doing um, marketing and doing the graphics, not the like, so I had enough. I was like the random, it was a new, it was a parastatal. So it, I could do, you know, they just needed someone who can just do the business cards, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so I did marketing and that. And then from there, I went to an ad agency. So I did work for one year at one of the big ad agencies in Kenya called Scan Group. Um, and WPPP um, organization. Group, yeah, right wow. now it's WPP. At that time it was McCann Erickson. So I wow. worked there, but I was at the lowest level. If there's lowest level of designer, like, <laughs> you know, align this, this text this morning, you know, very, very low level, low, yeah. low level. And, but it was high pressure, low level. I used to do this thing that's called the electricity interruptions. And if you get that wrong, the power company can sue the ad agency for the for the amount for getting the electricity wrong that day for the country. Wow. So it was high pressure for like three hours every day. I'm just it's just aligning text like a like a word <laughs> document, but it was very high pressure. So in a way, but strangely, that high pressure meant that I learned how to work high under high pressure. And and one of the things about the design that's really important is typography, which is aligning of typography. So this job that was like very tiresome and ad agency life, which is really, really was toxic at that time, at least. Um, it must have been. Very toxic. Um, and though I made amazing friends there, but very toxic work environment. Um, it helped me a lot. So then while there, there was this why one of the designers said, why don't you go to school and get a degree for this? Because if you do, you might be able to go faster in this career. You can still get to places, but you might be able to go faster. You have the talent to go faster. So um, I think I mentioned this to my mom, just mentioning, and my parents are very kind, <laughs> extremely <laughs> kind. And they said that they would get, um, pay for another degree. So I'm very grateful for that because there's no way I made any enough money at that ad agency at that level to pay for myself. And, um, and they, but I, at some point I didn't even want to go, but then my mom now also now took it on and she became African mother and said, if you don't have a degree, this is not real. So you have to do this thing. So she Can I just said, ask, yeah. um, why did you not want to go anymore at some point? At some point, because I then started seeing people can make it without a degree. You know, so many right. designers can make, I mean, yeah. some of the people there have no degrees uh, who are amazing. And then I wanted my friends, you know, I, so, but then she's yeah. like, nope, 
we have to go you have to get it now it's over either you you go on the streets or you go to this university that's, oh, okay. that's available ultimatum <laughs> ultimatum so uh i went and i so i went to malaysia which is uh was so kenya has no had no graphic design degree available so i went to mm. malaysia where it's about the same price as kenya it's just that i'm in malaysia so you you're yeah. you're you're paying for that and then um it was great experience to be in malaysia malaysia itself is a different whole different culture you know i think being in africa we're exposed to western culture so going yeah. there was real culture shock of even what you eat for breakfast you know and yeah. just different different type of culture shock and um and it was it was really interesting to be there um adjusting it was good i made good friends as well and um and what was good about being in in asia is that the competition the the uh, the design level was really high like some of the students i was with so i was really pushed so i always say that i could have been as good you know you can learn design on the job or whatever but to be at a place where i had the luxury to think i had the luxury to be taught by amazing designers to have competition like other people who are who I'm seeing around me that have unique styles Indonesians yeah. ha- Indonesians are very good at like illustration and graphic design I don't know if yeah they a, happen to be mm-hmm, is they're one of the best so there were a lot of Indonesian students that really challenged me there and um so I left and I mean so I left there with a degree and I was very happy that was really good experience to get that and hmm. then uh, came back to kenya always come back to kenya i love kenya yeah. i always come back i've never worked for long or anything in the other places um, yeah. so i came back to kenya and uh and when i when i was here i worked at i uh, i worked freelance for a short time and then i started working for an ad agency a, a creative agency it's not an it's a you can it's not really an ad agency but a creative agency called Arc Africa and is they this are, because they don't produce advertising or they, they just they do but their their focus is that they're multifaceted so they can create a solution right. for your business they can right. they they're not trying to the solution is not always an ad so right. they, yes, uh, is it yeah what are we going to do or and then branding at a very very like level thinking level design thinking a lot of design thinking um, right yeah it's a really great agency that i work for and i learned an incredible amount being there for that was for 3 years and mm. then i left there uh to do freelance and then while freelancing i then got because freelancing was difficult at first but it was amazing when i left there because i got to think i just did i i i did nothing for some time i got to think and that's when i started kulula during okay. that time period yeah. now i'm just going to stop you there because i'd really like to unpack a few things especially mm-hmm. your time at arc africa mm-hmm. um It says on your LinkedIn profile which I snooped uh <laughs> that you are an art director at um Arc Africa is that correct mm-hmm. What type of projects um did you have the opportunity to work on and yeah. how might that have influenced your work that you did later down the line or how did you sort of carry what you had learned at Malaysia and then start putting in that sort of new design perspective into what you did at Arc Africa Um so at Arc it's a so it was it's a very small agency so there were probably like 
maybe four graphic designers at any one time, maybe three actually maximum, and then three strategy people. Yeah, four designers. You know, sometimes there's overlap. Everyone does strategy, you know. Um, so everyone's an art director and then there's a, there's the main creative director and, um, and the projects we did, we did things like, um, so in Kenya, we have the brand Java that is, uh, a big cafe type of, let's say if I had to put it Starbucks of Kenya and now moved into East Africa and they, they, we worked with them to like do an audit where we would go in, be like secret eaters and like, and so we're Mm. designers, but we're immersing ourselves into the situation. So we learned a lot about like, it's not just about the design you're creating. It was design thinking in practice. So we were were really like immersing, how do you translate what you've learned into design or translate what you've learned into strategies? And and so you, again, you weren't just a designer, you're also a strategist. You're sitting Mm -hmm. together, you think. Uh, So we did that. We did um, other projects like uh, there's a Morandat, there's a meat company here in Kenya that sells um, aged meats. We did, we worked on that and... um, we we went to the farm, you know, so no project ever was like, here's the, the brief, same. you know, and, and it was never like, here's the brief, do this, you know, unless we couldn't <laughs> yeah. go to that place. No, you had to immerse, you had to go into that place and understand and speak to the people and you'd speak to, so Java, we spoke, I was speaking to the CEO. If I went to the meeting, I'm not just a designer. I am the one speaking to the CEO to understand yeah. what's happening. So it was really good in terms of breaking down how it was really good experience being there in terms of breaking down how a design is meant to work to create something that's very holistic or, you know, that captures the whole idea of a space. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. So it's kind of like from the learning that I did, I learned how to design or that, you know, in school, and you learn that it's almost like the dream of being able to, to speak with the real client and being able to really immerse yourself came true at Arc Africa. It's like right, I was right. able to do that rather than where I was before at the ad agency where I was just the, you know, the lower You're level. Aligning. Yeah, <laughs> aligning tech. <laughs> where even some of the art directors there never met their clients, you know? They just get a client Ever. client service who tells them what to do. Yeah, so this yeah. was, there was no client service at Arc. You know, you're the client service. You talk to the client. So you, yeah. you, you it's almost like your freelancers who've come together to create right. themselves. So it's a very good place to learn. This sounds like a lot, um, almost like what IDEO does. And yes. it seems to me that there was a, was this a, something that was really pioneering um, yeah. at that time? Extreme. Uh, it doesn't seem like there were so many people doing that. Yeah. And I don't think there's anyone who's reached their level yet. I think even when IDEO came to Kenya, they housed themselves at ARC the first few months because really? that was the closest. I think there was some sort of, they saw alignment to ARC because they had space in their offices. So I had oh. left, I had left by that time, but uh, IDEO, in fact, I mean, that's all when we were there, we, it was ideal. We'd be like, okay, so what would the, what's the kind of thing, you know, the boss would be like, is this what ideal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that, yeah. It's, it's exactly that actually. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And was illustration a part of your work at ARC? So at ARC, no. 
um, a bit, very little, uh, just a few ideas. The illustration I would do was doodling in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> One of my bigger designs in Kulula was actually doodled within a meeting. I always remember that. And I, and I could feel, I could, I remember feeling the energy of like the boss being irritated at me just doodling <laughs> at all these meetings. But it's the thing, you know, designers, sometimes you need to doodle to, or yeah. creatives to hear, to, to concentrate. So yeah. I would be, yeah. And, um, and, the fi- ironically, I had won when I was in Malaysia, when I finished, we all like a few students won awards as you when we graduated. And the award I won was the illustration award. And I've never okay. I've never thought of myself really as an illustrator, like from when I was in school. Like, I mean, I was a cartoon illustrator. If you like, I always thought of myself, there's illustrators and then there's people like me who draw doodles. And so okay. even when I won that award in university, I was like, oh, they're just giving me because they have to give an award. But I was like happy, but it was like, yeah. yeah. So so when I went into the workplace, back into the workplace, it was more like I didn't sell that part. That was more like a thing I do on the side. It's a doodle. And then now when Kulula came, it's, it was too much inside me. I just had to create these things and um, right. get over that feeling and just put myself there. Yeah. So let's talk about Kulula. Um, mm-hmm. Kulula seems to be a lot of things. And <laughs> yeah. just for our audience, um, because this is audio and nobody's yeah. watching this, yeah. um, would you be able to describe for us what Kulula is and what it looks like? And maybe speak in terms of a whole. The whole thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, in terms of the whole. Um, so Kulula is, okay, so it's, it's just my ideas, yeah. Um, so all the time, going wherever, whichever countries I went, I would look at stationery and I would love it, like spend hours in a stationery shop. And I was like, how can, I, I want this one, my, my own, I want to make my own of these. So I'd say there was yeah. an element of, I want to make my own, whether it's postcards or whatever. And then... Uh, so when I started and then I wanted to make sure I do and make sure or try not to make something that's very foreign looking because it's very easy yeah. to emit a rifle paper co who was a very good, very big inspiration for me. Um, yeah. You know, you know, the flowers kind of thing. And yeah. I was like, it's very easy for me to imitate this, but how can I make my version of it? And um, I do have a friend who is like a pioneer in this called Lulu Kitololo, who's very, a brilliant, brilliant designer, artist. And she was also inspiration to me in terms of she'd already done it. She'd started producing these books and things while she lived in the UK. And I was like, I can also do this. You know, this is possible. And um and so I created, um, so I just did a few designs. I had a friend who had some pop-up for her fashion clothes, Ichulu, and she said, come with your postcards. The pop-up is in a week. Your postcards will have a space. So, okay. so I decided to make my postcards and I had them. Then people bought them. So that was the encouragement I need. I always thank her for it. Her shop is called Ichulu. Let me just plug Ichulu. that there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. I-C-H-Y-U-L-U. And, um, Link in the show notes, people. Yes, yes. And um, so she, so I'm always grateful for that. And the, the, so then in terms of the actual designs, um, it was like, again, thinking of that quite a few of my designs are also animals and things like that. And yeah. I was like, 
animals is Africa. It, I mean, not is Africa, sorry. Certain animals are a huge part of us, yeah? But what has happened yeah. is they've become very cliched in kind of yeah. like postcards, you know, cliche of that. But I was like, but they shouldn't be a cliche. They are an integral part of our lives. It's historically, our lives existed like harmoniously with animals, you know, African culture. So how can I depict these in a different way that's a bit more... Um, whether it's modern, whether it's my own twist on it and something that's not stereotypical. So, um, so I started along those lines, a lot of like animals, that kind of thing. And then um, also hand lettering is something that I've done for a long time since I was young. One of the things I loved doing. And um, I just thought, how can I just write quotes and things that are things I love? So not necessarily always African. Sometimes it's just music lyrics because I also love music. Um, And and then as I did that, so initially I actually started by imitating like, you know, again, those people like there's some certain illustrators I love, like uh, Stefan Kuntz, Lauren Holm. And I'd imitate these people or mm-hmm. not imitate, but like, you know, that's the style, you know, that's what yes. you're going for. And then I yeah. realized my hand is just, it can do it, but it's also not doing it. There's something else it's doing here. But then also yeah. I was like, how can we also remove, strip this? Because language is already such a colonialism. It's it's colonized yeah. us, right? Yeah. So we, we were here talking English. We're not talking in another language. So, yeah. and this writing is colon, it's, it's a colonization as well, right? So yeah. how can I, and this is a still a thing I go through all the time. How can I try and move this lettering to be something different? It has to still look like English because it has to be understood. But yeah. how can I make it look slightly different so it doesn't look like it's the same as other people's, yeah? And yeah. Um, that's still something I'm trying to do all the time. Um, yeah. uh, sometimes I fail, you know, you fall back on the older, easier way that you know. But yeah. the the what I'm trying to do is how can you break it down to be something different? Because we're here, we have to write in English so or Swahili, which is written in an, a Roman numeral. But how can I, Roman alphabet, but how can I write it in a way that looks slightly different, hopefully more African? Yeah. Without it, looking, without it looking tribal as well. <laughs> you know, there's also that other side that's yeah. like when you look for tribal fonts and then you get a certain font that's exactly the same. It has a look. So, yeah. There's it a has certain, a look. Yeah. I'd like to look at you, the visual artist, mm. and because Kulula is a part of what you do, but in mm. the same in the same vein, you also teach um, graphic design to a bunch of great students at the Africa Digital Media Institute, and you also make logos. But in the same vein that we see the work you've done, for example, with AWDF preventing violence against women and the things that you've done which you just wanted to express yourself with Black Lives Matter, there's a there's something that we can see that these are all sort of most connected pieces. We can recognize you in the work. And in some vein, I imagine that there's some inspiration behind that of yeah. where it comes. Yeah, I think um okay, so the I mean there's the there's the typical inspiration for these days, which is Instagram, which I look <laughs> okay. at, of course. Um, there's a, a few artists that I, I follow and I love. Um, 
I'm I'm trying to remember exactly that right now. Unfortunately, I don't know why I'm blanking. Um, a yeah, lot of yeah. them are American, mostly American, and mm-hmm. some, but some are like you know. Um, I try follow like more POC um, yeah. artists. Um, and then there's there's artists um, that are inspirational to inspiration to me. Some of the OGs or whatever of graphic design. <laughs> um, yeah. Someone like Paula Scher. Um, oh, that's yeah. one of my big influences and more, I'd say not necessarily even the graphic design, but these sort of maps that she's made large scale maps. Those are kind of thing. Cause I'm also into a visualization. Oh, yeah. I saw those. Yeah. 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 So those, and you know, her sort of like breakdown of typography that she did in the nineties. And that's also influential to me, you know, um, this and also things like the 90s kind of typography kind of like spike lee posters do the right thing poster that kind of typography i don't know if you oh, know okay yeah. yeah living in living color those type of african-american um they were they were outward looking to african type of uh typography in the 90s yeah a tripod yeah. quest um art on their art and it's unfortunate i don't know all the uh, the names of the artists some of them I, I can't remember right now but um those type of styles really highly influenced me a lot especially when mm. i was younger i would say what's really most important in your mind mm-hmm. um is coming through because those are really really great pieces mm-hmm. um they had such limited digital tools at that time mm-hmm. but they were still able to try and recreate things that you know we can see yeah um yeah. and that's really really important so it's good um yeah. so look do you have this um brand and it's Kolula. You have stationary goods there, postcards. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you also freelance with, you know, poster design, graphic design. Um, and I'm looking at sort of the sort of repertoire of work. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a big question for you. What do you think about international collaboration and recognition for African creators like yourself? Is it difficult to obtain? Is it easy to obtain? And mm-hmm. what's your stance on it? What do I think of the international collaborations? I think they're great. I think they're wonderful as long as there's acknowledgement of uh, it's on equality. You know, it's not like someone's handing you down from the global north to the global south, kind of like, yeah. well, here, wow, you've been given a, a collaboration, yay. Um, but, you know, acknowledgement that this is an artist, you know, that this these people that there's equality in that uh, collaboration you yeah. said what do i think of it yes i was saying what do you think of it is it difficult to obtain international collaboration it, it, it okay so it's it is it was so 2020 changed a lot of things like it changed yeah. you know the world had to open now there was no physical barriers it wasn't about physical it was about the internet and where the reaches are so i've seen uh, I think it depends. So depends on how you work it. I've seen one of my students um, become go from just doing his amazing work on Instagram to now being, I think his main are American, Africa, especially the African-American community. He's called Ignatius, Ignatius Arts. Yeah. And he was always Ignatius talented. Arts. Yeah, he was always talented. Amazing. And uh, but he, you know, he pushed himself. He's reached next level. Yeah. And 
there's no barrier for him. I don't think he's ever left the country and he's now working in this, you know, essentially he's, he has like a, his work is on galleries. I think he's entered NFT from like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so it can happen. It's hard to obtain, but in terms of like, I'd say kind of like corporate type of things, I'd say that's probably more word of mouth in terms of like graphic design, actual graphic design. Uh, that's more about word of mouth and hmm. or v- creating your visibility online and getting, hmm. you know, uh, the sort of, and word of mouth means someone has endorsed you. So if you can get that yeah. online endorsement somehow, then you can get that collaboration. And I think to people who don't have that access of word of mouth and things like that, you just, it's just about showing your visit, showing yourself as much as possible. So where can you show yourself online? These barriers are, have reduced. And then also just like going to places that seem random. Like, so when these things opened up, you know, there's someone, Texas State University is having a conference. So you attend that conference for free and you then yeah. meet people in that conference. And then that means you you get access to new people. Um, yeah. There's a fellowship I applied for and got last year called Bacchanal de Afrique. And it was through and through there, I meet new people. So then now yeah. there's no barrier. Me and someone in Oakland, now we know each other and maybe that person will connect me to something else. So they're possible. They're much more possible now. I think the world has changed so much in that aspect um, Hmm. that the, what I would have told you in 2019 to now, totally different. And, uh, but I'd say for, for corporate work, maybe there's still a slight, like that still has a disparity in terms of um, probably still need to know someone or have certain amount of years of experience or things like that. One of the things that we or I'm trying to do with Bantu this podcast is the idea that it's a little bit hard, maybe, mm-hmm. for um, African creatives to gain international collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I see happening a lot, one of the things that we've seen happening is that there are brands who operate within African markets. Um, I'm sure that you have you have Indomie in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Kenya. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Indomie has this superhero sort of um cartoon thing that they have been going on since maybe the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a kid when that was introduced, but what I did find out was that that was not created within Africa. Mm-hmm. The illustrators for that were actually outside Africa. And not only that. One of the ways that you can see that is because the superheroes mm-hmm. for that brand, Indomie, are all dressed up in Western skin tight suits. Mm. And so we're looking at a an, a really great example of how something was created outside Africa for Africans, but it does not resonate and it does not sort of infuse culture based that we would understand. And so this is kind of why we're bringing up this question. And to that point, do you think that getting represented by agents who are based outside Africa would help to improve this sort of international collaboration situation, especially with corporate. I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that being represented by, I mean, first, first to say that's one of the most annoying things. Like when things foreign adverts look foreign, like even, uh, (laughs) even now, (laughs) and you know, cause uh, even in Kenya, you'll have an ad that is, just being voiced over it's been made for africans so you can tell these people are not 
Kenyan, they are South African yeah. and we can tell, you can tell these people are South African or they're Nigerian and yeah. it's just been voiced over with a Kenyan voice. It's really yeah. annoying. And it's like, <laughs> what, how hard would it have been really to make this? Um, yeah. But um, in terms of um, getting, getting that, um, being represented by agents. Yeah. I've seen that yeah. happening. I've seen it work. I've seen it. So I, I've seen it like with this uh, student, former student, this he's called Emmanuel uh, Ignatius arts. I've seen him being represented and going far. And I've seen a couple of other artists represented by um, American art gallery studios, but I found that that kind of representation is just for artists like gallery, digital artists. That's where I'm seeing it mainly. Um, mm. In terms of things that are like corporate, like an advert, an Indomie, I don't know. I, I feel like that barrier is still so hard to break. I think it would be it would be more like um, like agencies. Someone would need to be yeah. within an agency, yeah, like a like a working in an agency rather than even represented, yeah, like true, a WPP. Yeah. And then yeah. I think then now it's about those WPP and people like that about breaking it down and starting to collaborate then maybe with artists within their own country to, to, I don't see that happening a lot. That's the thing. Yeah. That's so the problem. You've been there right? Yeah. and you had some time um, as a media art director, um, African, uh, so the Kenyan film commission and WPP scan yeah. and arc Africa, which is completely sort of different, but creative in itself. Um, is it something that is within the realm of possibility? Why do you think that we don't see so many, let's say, creative directors sort mm -hmm. of commissioning local artists to yeah. come into the agency, do this project and do this thing? Is there something within the African situation mm -hmm. that holds us back from that? Yeah, so I think I think it's the so first it's the 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 not thinking of it, like maybe it's the barrier of the thought hasn't expanded yet. Yeah. Like maybe because we've been told this is the formula, this is how it's meant to be. This is, you get this drawing done by this person or you buy a stock image or that or whatever. So those yeah. things, those things are not, it hasn't opened up yet, but I am seeing it increasing. I am seeing mm. people um, like, uh, what is it called? Commissioning artists. Um, I know Arc itself commissioned a graffiti artist here called Cella for one of the brandings for a, a, a cafe, a chicken place. It was amazing. I've seen even for adverts, I've noticed that some agencies are commissioning like local poets and things like that to like yeah. create the scripts for them so that they're better and more Kenyan like. And yeah. So it's expanding. And I think people just have to, because what ends up happening is, is a foreign organization comes and they see yeah. the opportunity, they see the talent and they're going to use the Kenyans. And then that's it. Then, you know, they'll use that, that beautiful art or that, whatever, but the Kenyan, we ourselves need to see our own talent. And I think it's probably that mind of like uh, this, maybe they're not seeing that stuff as great enough or, um, and then also money. <laughs> I think it's also money. I think sometimes yeah. it's also just cheap. You're told reduce costs. Don't do this. Yeah. And yeah. So they want to keep budgets as, as low as, as possible. As possible. Yeah. And also maybe also a reputation of artists sometimes. Um, yeah. Reliability, you know, that kind of thing. A stock image won't ghost you. 
it won't uh, <laughs> <laughs> the stock image, yeah. the stock photo is not gonna disappear yeah 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 mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. um thank you for your take on that um yeah. i think it's really important for these type of conversations to be had especially in places like this especially um where people can hear about it because you coming from that background and that experience it, you're shedding a light on it that we haven't heard before um the interesting thing that i'm seeing is we may have a little bit of a disparity between engaging people who work in Africa within creative agencies. So in the local creative agencies in Nigeria and Kenya and Ghana, um, and those people who may work there may not necessarily be aware or just engaging with people who may be talented, who are trying to be independent, independent illustrators like yourself, independent people who might maybe be independent art directors, for instance. And the super big question that I don't have the answer to, and I don't know if anyone does have the answer to, is how do we bridge that gap? How do we get these people talking to each other and thinking about, oh, maybe I'll I'll call uh, Kolula to come and make <laughs> this particular um, piece of work at this agency? Um, it's such a big question that it's it's just unknown, really. What is the kind of project that you would love to make if you had a really mm. ridiculous amount of resources. Oh my gosh, what? Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of things. Um, okay, tell me. <laughs> so one thing is probably, um, oh gosh. So because there's still something in me that I think that's always like an like a teacher kind of like in me, like a book, but like a, like, but like, children's books kind of or is it children or adult but these illustrated they're kind of becoming very popular right now but graphic information books so right. whether it's like about women of science there's one of my favorite illustrators rachel ignoff i always get her name wrong i don't want to but like butcher it rachel ignotovsky or something um sorry butchering of name but she has this <laughs> series that's like women in science women in this and um i love those so that kind of thing so i would love to make those type of informative encyclop they're almost like encyclopedia books but I yeah. illustrated. That's my dream. If I had the money, you know, do nothing else. Just draw the book and research it and figure it out. So it's kind of like a mixture of the illustration world, the visualization world, the information world, bringing those things together. So uh, maybe like about African history and and in that way also bring these things that are not book documented, not in books, you know, African yeah. histories, that kind of thing. So that's hopefully yeah. something if I had all the money I, and I hope to do it, even if I don't have all the money, I think I'm going to still try to do those um, things like, uh, I don't know about corporate collaboration, but I've seen like what Carabo Poppy, you know, Carabo Poppy did with Nike where she, mm-hmm. I don't know whether she has her, her shoe that has her illustration, the shoe that has the Nike shoe with her illustrations. I mean, that's like any designer's dream, I think. Uh, yeah. She's done things that are amazing. So probably that's like, whoa, if I can do that. Um, uh, you want to make a shoe. Wow. If that would be <laughs> incredible. A shoe or like, uh, yeah, a shoe would be amazing. Maybe some kind of some fashion kind of thing. Shoe. Yeah, something like that. But not too like, 
so yeah, not too corporate. I mean, that's the thing. I don't want to get in with like corporate type world. So, you know, maybe something different alternative to that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you seem to value your independence. Yeah, yeah. And also just the principles also, you know, I'm 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 not sure about what's going on with those corporations sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and um and maybe like okay. more like large scale art type things, yeah. Mural type things, you know, those are huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is something that I don't see very often too. There was mm-hmm. one time a couple of years ago, I knew this guy. Um, I think his name is Abraham Art. Mm-hmm. And I saw the one time where some restaurant had commissioned him to do a mural on their wall. Mm-hmm. And so that covered the entire front of the wall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm hoping that I can see more of that. And I think mm-hmm. till today, one mm-hmm. of the major uses I've found mm-hmm. for illustrators and people who actually can create this kind of work, you know what it is? Mm-hmm. It's designing the interior of tech companies yeah. and drawing illustrations on the inside. <laughs> and then print a sticker that's, that's whatever, that's stuck up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Lulu that I mentioned earlier, Lulu Kitololo has been doing a lot of these recently. Yeah. So she's opening the space and oh, there's right. something that she's actually connected me to, but maybe for the future. Yeah. But oh, uh, cool. so the space is open in Kenya. But yeah, still, it's just not there yet. Yeah, there's a lot of graffiti artists that are amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of there's um oh gosh, the most famous one. But there are amazing graffiti things that have come up in Kenya. Wise two, there's a guy called Wise two, amazing, amazing graffiti murals all over Nairobi. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's big. You know, one of the things that I saw from trying to see the places that you've been on stands and essentially the general vibe of Kenya that I get is that there's a definitely a larger appreciation for art um, and the arts, especially visual and creative arts in Kenya. Was that something that you, you can sense or is true? Yeah, it's true. It's in terms of it's growing, like incredibly growing. Like I'd say 10 years ago, there was one thing that was like a craft fair that sold <laughs> where it was very foreign as well. You know, a lot of expat driven uh, or like, um, you know, settled Kenyan, so settled foreigners here kind of driving this, the whole thing. And yeah. um, where they sell some art products, uh, some uh, curio type of things, some high-end kind of curio type of, of tribal kind of things. And in fact, one of the one of my influences I haven't mentioned is a lady. It was at one of these around like many years ago, like when I was much younger, before I'd even gone to do started doing illustration, was I went to one of these and I found a card from a lady who called Harriet Staines, a foreign Kenyan, uh, British Kenyan, who now lives in England. And she was an illustrator selling greeting cards and wrapping paper. And she was hmm. the only person, the only person at this thing was a foreign, not, not a Kenyan, selling these illustrated goods that were there. And it was a huge, I was like, how can I do this thing? And how come this? no you know black kenyan doing this and yeah, yeah that was yeah. probably one of my first influence and she's still there those things probably still the only person who has one of the the biggest following and she's still in all the shops yeah 
but uh, she's foreign. I mean, no, she's not foreign. I mean, she's Kenyan, but she's British Kenyan. And then, yeah. um, but so, but now it's grown to a point, and especially over 2020, that pe- there's so many now. There's so many stationary art brands that are coming up. There's there, there's more than I even, I mean, I can't follow. And there's so many artists selling prints, selling on Instagram. And that's one of the most wonderful things. It's like, it just blew up people. And because people were in their homes, people needed art in their homes during the time. So, so many, I've seen former students. Now they have a, you know, a highlight Instagram highlight prints for sale, you know, and I, it's just so good to see that happening. It's excellent. It's amazing. Yeah. So people are buying all yeah. of this. People are buying art and people are buying digital art and it's really growing. Yeah. That is beautiful, yeah. um, and I'm glad that it's so such an optimistic outlook, um, yeah. especially in Kenya. So there's something I'd like to ask, but because you've brought this up now, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to ask this next question, which is, what is next for Kulula Goods? For Kulula, um, okay. Well, I guess I'm still going to continue. I, I'm still selling what I am doing now in terms of selling. Um, yeah. So notebooks stationery you know uh greedy yeah. cards um but i i want to also move more into art like i don't know it's all art <laughs> but in terms of uh more um, tangible handmade type of things yeah so i'm looking into more doing a bit more printing like yeah like uh lino cut printing i want to do that mm-hmm. something i've always loved and just did it once in that one course that I did at the end of my sociology course. Uh, and it's something yeah. I love, love, love. And yeah. uh, so that would be tangibles. I think I'm I'm more, uh, I, I'm looking to create more things that are tangible. And also because th- there's a sustainability aspect that I'm, I'm very aware of when you yeah. pr- printing a lot and using good uh, paper that's not always necessarily some of it. I try to get paper that's sustainable, but sometimes you can't get that. So yeah. Um, what ways can I like reduce that kind of footprint or yeah. that kind of, so what about creating art that's actually tangible things and, and products that are, are things people can use. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm moving into more, maybe like, you know, by things like yeah <laughs> hope i'm explaining <laughs> explaining correctly. no it's good and then, it's good and more art and more like actual art created by me rather than a product for a long time i've i've moved away from showing my face because it was meant to be like a product a thing yeah uh, this kulula is, doesn't have a human it's just a thing you know, but I I think I want to move more into me as an artist being the one behind it. Yeah. I did have to work a little bit hard <laughs> to find out that you were the one behind it because I yeah. thought, hey, look, Kulula <laughs> sounds like such a nice word, but I know that's not somebody's name. So who is yeah. Kulula? Yeah. And I found you, Nzilani. So mm. I'm very happy about that. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Probably just to just do the thing, just to do the thing, because like, if you just do the thing, what's, it's very cliche, but like, what's the worst thing that could happen from doing this? Because I struggle sometimes, you know, a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of like, there's someone um, really important to me that says, always says, it's not, it's not failure, it's feedback. 
So she sells oysters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She sells what? <laughs> she sells oysters at the street. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so we've sort of come to the end of our time. And I have to say, I'm really, really happy that we were able to have this discussion. I'm really happy that we were able to learn quite a lot from you and Zelani because your take on this and your experiences have really added something to this triad of sort of this type of discussion that we're trying to have. Um, yeah. Where can the audience find you on the internet uh so the kulula that we've talked about which is on instagram at underscore kulula um the website for it which is still like it's there but like in development <laughs> so it's kululagoods.com um so Kulula is actually Kulula is an there's a big airline in South Africa called Kulula. I saw and that. it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> so Kulula Kulula in Zulu means easy, but Kulula in my language, Kamba means to draw. So it's Kulula. It's pronounced a bit differently. Right. So it's so I couldn't get Kulula.com. So it's kululagoods.com. Uh, and then uh, my my website is zilanisimu.com, which has more of my freelance artwork. I don't know if one day they will all merge. I'm not sure. For now, not yet. And then, um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Those are my main, main ones. Yeah. We'll put the link in all the links in the show notes. And we'll be looking forward to those art and tangible pieces uh watch this space everyone <laughs> and thank you so much yeah. for coming on board thank you thank you so much i'm so happy to have been here thank you our guest this week was Insulani simo follow her artwork kulula on social media to keep up with her this episode was produced by me editor paul our music this week was produced by Brizzy Beats and Vibes Machine. Bantu, the African Creative Podcast, is a project of Studio Black. We're on Instagram at Studio BLVCK and on Twitter at Studio BLVCK underscore. Thank you for listening and until next time, goodbye from everywhere. Mm-hmm.